Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. It's myself, Matt Messiano, Jordan Weimer and Tom Burdell here today. And um, yeah, discussing, I suppose, first off, we'll, we'll start with the FA Cup. It's something that people probably were looking at and thinking, oh, you know, I mean, I, I want to do it as far as we can in the FA Cup, but the league is my priority. And I think that's, you know, if, if not 100%, like at least 95% of what, what the fans were thinking, guys, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, pretty spot on. I, I, do, I do have to say, I miss the days we, we did enjoy the FA Cup for what it was. Um, and we could still focus on the league. That was a nice balance. But yeah, it, it turned out to be to be that way. I think going into the game, everyone felt pretty unanimous in that. Um, and clearly Ranieri did too, when you look at the lineup as well. So uh, it's a little bit unfortunate, mm. but um, it, it kind of felt, felt a little bit, I don't know. I hate it when the FA Cup feels deflating. When you when the FA Cup feels like an international break, you kind of want to get back to the main stuff, and you kind of you watch the game, but it's not really as as, as exciting and as invested yeah. as you'd like to be. But um, yeah, it, it's just I think the circumstances mean it couldn't really be anything else. So yeah, I, I don't know about you, Tom, but um, I always find that when you're drawn against the team that's in your division, and no matter if you're in the Championship, League Two, whatever. Um, it always loses a bit of a spark, the FA Cup. What do you think? No, I completely agree. It's Even going to a smaller team is is fairly exciting by comparison, isn't it? So Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it just it just felt like a bit of a damp squib, let's face it. We, did, we you know, I think 99% of the Watford supporter base probably didn't want to go through. Claudio Ranieri would have not wanted to go on through, I imagine, albeit the win would have been nice to, to, get, the, to get the kind of winning feeling back. But... It was a distraction, and I think to be honest, they would have quite happily. I reckon the club would have quite happily forked up and forked out an amount of money to not have to play that game and get a week's rest and just you know time on the training ground because there was absolutely nothing to be gained by going through. And uh, it it upsets me to say that because as Jordan said, we've you know we've had so much time, so much fun in the cup in in recent times and. You know, some of my best kind of Watford supporting memories have been FA Cup runs. We've been very fortunate in the scheme of things. Uh, but it was Absolutely. just kind of, yeah, get it out of the way and move on and hope no one got injured, basically, I think. Yeah. I think the FA Cup is sometimes a, a luxury that um, maybe the, the mid-place teams can uh, can go for a bit more. Because if you're if you're at the top, and say you're in the championship, if you're at the top, you're, you're fighting for promotion. If you're at the top... Uh, of you know League One, you're fighting for promotion, whatever. But uh, if you're in 
you know, sort of the bottom half, you, you're looking, you know, behind you and you're like, oh, I don't want to get relegated. When you're in the middle of the table, you kind of think, oh, maybe we can spend a bit more uh, resources here to see if we can push for a cup run. But Watford, you know, at the minute, they're not in that situation, are they? No, I mean, our last two semi-finals was exactly that, wasn't it? I know, obviously, Flores, um, the, the season of the Flores is a little bit different because we struggled a little bit more towards the end. But up until the point when we, we got through to the quarters and stuff, we were definitely around that position. I think it gives you another focus when you're kind of stuck in that somewhat mid-table obscurity. But when you, as you say, if you're in the championship, for example, any any league, actually, and you're fighting for promotion, um, especially with the congested fixtures, it can be it, it can be tough to to really concert all the efforts that would be required to that game when you know that you need to kind of pace yourself and be a little bit smarter when your your league is your main ambition, and that's where we were again. So it's a shame, but I think we, as you said, we we avoided injuries um, and we we got to see a couple of decent performances from some players we haven't been able to see as much of. Um, I, I think Morris left back, and then also seeing Pedro start was a real real positive sign. So it wasn't all negative. There was stuff to take away from it, even if the game itself was a little bit um, a little bit lacking in some areas. Yeah, definitely. Morris at left back, he, he's got something, hasn't he? Yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked tidy. Um, I, I'm not going to over or undersell him for, for sure, but I think he definitely contributed really well. And he, he looked relatively comfortable. He used the ball well. Um, he defended well. He just looked tidy. Um, and I think considering the the the... the the situation and kind of the game he was coming into, he was play, he was facing players, you know, top level players, and he he handled himself quite well. So I think we can be quite positive about Morris, and I think it's been definitely one of the better um, debuts we've seen from some, from the youth academy in a, in a fair amount of time, actually. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that Kamara will be coming in to be the first choice now that Messina is is away uh, at the Afcon, but um, you know, I from that performance that we saw from Morris, I wouldn't be you know disappointed if uh, if he came on to uh, you know replace. Uh, replace Kamara, you know, you know, you know, seventy minutes in or something. If you know, if, if he's getting a bit tired or something, it's um, it, he certainly, you know, looked like he he was he was a decent player, Tom. Yeah, given he's you know not played kind of men's senior football at any point, it was quite impressive, wasn't it? He looked he looked up to speed. He certainly didn't look out of his depth. He's, you know, quite tidy in possession, quite. Uh, you know, quite prepared to get stuck in and and whatnot. Didn't you know? Didn't look physically like he was desperately short of the required level. So it's it's a good option to have. I think obviously the thing that's happened since we last spoke is the, the Danny Rose situation. So um, mm. you know he is effectively a, a, a rung up the ladder on where he was, even though we've signed uh, Hassan Kamara. So there's there's certainly an option. There's certainly an opportunity there while Adam Messina's at the African Cup of Nations for him to at the very least, be around the squad and probably getting on the bench most weeks. And just quickly on that, what was, what was your view about the, uh, the the Danny Rose situation, Jordan? Uh, I think it was kind of the worst case scenario of what we were talking about in the summer, really. Um, it's, it's it's very disappointing. I, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. Um, I, I think when, when we brought him in, we knew that you know the reason we had the option to sign Danny Rose um, is because he's simply not playing up to his standard. He's not He's not where he should be for a player of his ability at his age. He still should be contributing um, for for top sides, but clearly um, there are things holding him back. And we were always concerned that, that we'd see those at Watford, and I think we did. We saw a couple of performances from him where he, we saw he obviously does have quality. He's, he's still a good player, but it's having that consistency and the consistency of availability and of application from the player. Um, I know there's obviously we don't want to get too far into this because we don't know the ins and outs it's unfair for us to comment on but there's obviously talks about his 
his mental health and kind of issues he's had in the past. And I, I think there's been enough evidence over his career, or especially his more recent career, to suggest that he is he is kind of battling with things on and off the pitch that he has to kind of he has to kind of get through and it's, it's tough for him I'm sure um, but it simply just didn't work out and we weren't able to see the best of Danny Rose and if you can't get if you have those diminishing returns from a player then unfortunately you do have to move on um, and, and I'm sure it, it seems that Danny feels like that's the best option for him too so it's disappointing because it could have been a good uh, good move for both parties but it just didn't work out mm, Absolutely I mean you know, it was it was the right move to, to go from I think I mean you know just given the experience that he's got and the fact that he was on a free and that his age was, you know, not not that terrible to be honest. It was it, it was worth a go, Tom. But um, unfortunately, just hasn't really worked out. Free for party. Yeah, the only sort of silly thing about it was that he's on a two-year contract. I'd have kind of assumed he was on a one-year contract, given his kind of lack of football and his age and his fitness concerns and everything. It would have, I would have thought a one plus one would have sufficed. So that's going to make it a little bit harder to. I'm sure we'd prefer that, but. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, from our point of view, obviously, yeah, he's you know he's never going to well not never going to go for it, but less likely to go for it. Um, it just makes it a little bit harder to get rid of him, doesn't it? How sorry, one th- I just interject one thing. I will interject one thing real quick. I'm not sure exactly the the, the terms of it, and it, it could be incorrect. But from the things I've heard, his his deal was quite incentive based, which if so, um, it is somewhat at least something to, t- to take from this that we're not hopefully paying the kind of wages we do possibly be expecting to pay for Danny Rose. And if we did manage to get some incentive-based um, options in there, clauses in there, then that is at least some kind of smart work we've done in the structure of his contract, which maybe will ensure us a little bit. But that's unclear. That's just kind of rumoured, I guess. Okay, then moving on from uh, from outgoings, uh, let's talk a bit about transfers. We mentioned uh, the three in the last pod, but I wonder if we could go into a bit more detail in them. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about um, about each of them, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll start with um, with Kamara because he's probably the one that I've gone back and watched the most of, seeing that he was confirmed um, quickly early on. Um, so yeah, we discussed it a little bit didn't we, in the last episode, but uh, left back, predominantly left back, he can play a little bit further forward. He has got minutes going further forward too, uh, playing left wing. He's played a little bit of right back too, but you're predominantly going to see him at left wing, left wing back or left back. Um, He's an interesting one for me because I think he gives us some some tactical flexibility. I think he's much more uh, suited to playing a more advanced role at wing back than the likes of Adam Messina. So um, if we were to to shift to a, a back three at any point, which is there's been some question marks as to whether that's kind of the way we're, we're looking to go. We don't quite have the personnel. Um, and with the arrival of Samir and also possibly another centre-back to come, um, it could indicate that we are looking to change shape. And, and Kamara is definitely one that would help facilitate that. Um, very good going forward. He likes to carry the ball. He's only a small, small guy. He's five six, but he 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 plays with a, he plays like he's taller. Um, he, he can be quite physical at times, but he's someone that is able to travel with the ball. Um, he likes to be. Um, he likes to be aggressive. He likes to get get the ball into the box. Um, good range of passing. Uh, and just a good technical footballer. I think he's much more akin to Kiko um, than we've had on the left-hand side for a while. Um, I'd say maybe he's a little bit... I'd say he's got a little bit more now in one-on-one situations defensively, um, but I, I do think that it would be the first time in a while we've had that balance on both fullbacks in terms of a forward... Um, Help, for, getting help going forward, sorry, uh, and I think it will be a, a positive move for us. I think it's um, it, it's definitely a good sign, and it's a, it's a player that fits the the coaching we have currently, and also the squad that we have. You put out you, you put out a few bits on Twitter when in relation to him, didn't you? A few stats uh, of of what he's been, uh, what levels he's been reaching 
up to up to date. Um, what out of those kind of struck you as being interesting? Yeah, I say, I mean, interesting wise, standout for him. Um, his XG per ninety and XA per ninety. So uh, expected shots, sorry, expected goals and expected assists are right at the top end within the top top 10, 15% of the league. Um, so he's, he's clearly he's getting forward. He's making chances happen. He's also getting opportunities himself. He takes a lot of shots, again, in the top 10% for um, shots per 90 from fullbacks in the league. Key passes, he's, he's high on that end too. He's able to get balls going forward, balls into the box and into dangerous situations. So he's someone that's very active in the offensive part of the game. Um, and again, someone that can contribute in the forward areas, which is something we've really lacked from that left-hand side. Um, I think too often have we seen um, the likes of Adam Massner in situations where he receives the ball and kind of looks forward and doesn't really kind of force any pass. He just kind of plays that long chip ball into the channel. I'd like to think the, the introduction of someone like Kamara would maybe um, shift some of those situations into being a little bit more positive and, and hopefully a little bit more threatening uh, as an end result. So um, they're the kind of main things you'd look at and look at how he, he contributes in the forward positions. And yeah, it's a real plus. Nice. Tom, do you have anything to add on Kamara? I think uh, Jordan's covered it very well. And, and he, to be honest, mentioned the thing I was going to mention, that if it means that we just don't have to see Adam Messina sort of put his foot on the ball, look up, look up again, look up again, and then just clip an aimless one down the line um, any longer, then brilliant. It's, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Adam Messina, I think, is better, you know, kind of without the ball on the defensive side of, the, the, of play, than he is going forward, uh, you know, but he's he's not he's not without his foibles there either. I don't know how great Kamara is. I don't know if Jordan kind of got more of a, a view on his defensive the defensive side of his game, but certainly going forward, he looks like quite a bit of fun. And I noticed he scored an absolute belter for Nice against Lyon in May last year. So check that one out if you can. He can certainly get forward and contribute, as Jordan said. So. On the on the face of it, I'm I'm quite quite enthused by his arrival. Good stuff. Um, Samir, then um, obviously he's joined us from Udinese. Uh, it's a permanent deal. Uh, you mentioned that he's a left-sided centre back, which is something we've been looking for for what feels like ages. Jordan, I'm so mm. pleased that we finally got one. Um, but importantly, is he any good? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I enjoy watching the. Um, the, the centre-backs that come over from Italy and, and kind of seeing, uh, able to assess them, it's a little bit obviously different. They're kind of, I always I always find that we watch those Italian teams, you get a better round, a more rounded view of how the defenders defend um, from a technical perspective. He's not kind of facing some of the some of the aerial challenges that he might have to um, in England. But in, in Serie A, he's, he's very active on the left-hand side, as you said, left-footed, um, which is ideal for us because we have been lacking that since probably when Miguel Britos was the the last kind of real mm. left side of centre back we have. Um and again that kind of ties into what we we're saying uh, in, in regards to playing a back three if that is the way we go. He's someone that plays on the outside um of, of that back three and he's he's quite comfortable in space, which is obviously kind of an, one of the number one requirements when it comes to uh to playing that position. He's six foot two, he's a big guy, but he, he does he does get around the pitch pretty well. Um he's not he's not heavy legged, he, he can he can turn, he can he, he can move. Um, he's not someone that's going to get spun around by by wingers too too much um, for for a centre back playing in the wide position. So I think it's promising defensively. He's maybe not as um, maybe not as physical as some of the centre backs we've had previously. I'd say in terms of his aggression in the tackle, but he's a little bit of a more I'd say a little bit more of a culture centre back along the lines of Nkulu. You kind of you kind of see that separate the separation that kind of experience they've had in Italy. Kind of 
little bit more of a technical approach to defending. So maybe not someone that's going to go flying into challenges and play tight to his man, but someone that's going to, you know, be in position and look to kind of look to kind of isolate his man and, and kind of get ahead of the ball if he can. But he'll also be pragmatic and not not too aggressive. So there's lots to like there. Um, it's always a little bit hard when you're judging these players in different leagues, of course. But mm. um, there's a lot of things that I'd say would transition pretty well. Um, another thing. I'd say about Samir too is that his his passing range is pretty decent. Um, he's pretty he's not someone that's going to be overly aggressive forcing the ball downfield, but he keeps the ball. Um, he, he's not putting into too many dangerous areas, which obviously we've seen has been an issue for our centre backs previously too. Um, but he is someone that I say I would say just kind of going looking back in the games specifically where he was playing in the back three. Um, he's someone that can progress the ball a little bit, and that's something that we've always, we've always kind of feared. Um, through supporting Watford over the last 10 years, especially when we have gone to those back three systems, the times where it's really fallen apart has been when we've had that centre-back on the outside, which, which isn't able to feel, feed the ball forward and actually find a little uh, kind of route or avenue up the pitch. And we kind of ended up in that, dread, that dreaded U-shape of your back three, just the ball cycling across the back line with no real penetration at all. Kind of think Eunice Kabul, for example. Um, and you end up with that hoof downfield. But I think I think he's someone that is able to find the ball forwards and, and can hope to kind of move things along. So I know we're talking a lot about a back three here, but I do think that's probably the route we're going. What, what's Ranieri's experience with a back three, uh, Jordan? Well, he used it. He used, he's used a back three a, a fair amount. And I think I think with, with Ranieri, his back three isn't necessarily a defen- more defensive option. He still wants to get numbers forward and he's still got them into the box. I'm pretty sure he played it a fair amount at Leicester. I know the 4-4, kind of 1-1, 4-4-2 was his main. Yeah, that's that's what he's most familiar for, isn't it? But I mean, obviously, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a head coach with years and years of experience. I'm certain that he's played it in the past, but um, it's just not what he was known for, is it? I mean, he's definitely got a number of number of games as a coach with it with the back three I know that for a fact he's played it fairly consistently but as you said his 4-4-2 has kind of been more predominant um but you know I think based on the the incomings and what we have at the squad uh, sorry currently in the team um and our current frailties and so on I think it would make sense it's something we could we could likely see um obviously it remains to be seen if that will happen or not but I wouldn't be shocked at all um, and even if not, the, the, these players that are coming in are still very suitable for the positions we need uh, in a different formation. But um, there are lots of pros. So if you're looking at where these two guys play best, um, I'd personally say you're looking at wing back and the outside centre back. Okay, good stuff. And, and Tom, do we know much about um, what the reaction was from Udinese fans when, when Samir came across to us? Yeah, I was trying to look for this earlier, actually, because the thing that's obviously quite striking about this one, or quite significant about this one, is that he's played, made 17 appearances, started every game that he's appeared in, and only missed, I think it's two games through Udinese this season, or obviously in a kind of usual, their usual sort of position, hovering between mid-table and the relegation battle. So to take someone away from them and, and put it put them in, in Watford kind of suggests, you know, as if we needed to know, but where the, the Pozzo priorities lie. So I thought that was quite interesting. I haven't been able to find a great deal about how that's kind of been received in Udinese, but I think we know from the... Or we can make an educated sort of guess that in the past, based on the fact that in the past it's gone down quite badly when we have signed players from Udinese um, who have uh, you know been fairly important there. Not that it only works one way, of course, because we have sent them good players in the past, like uh, Marvin Ziegler and 
no, I'm joking about him. Gerard de la <laughs> uh, being one of them. So, yeah, it works both ways. I was just going to say, on, on Samir, I was quite impressed looking, watching kind of clips of him and say it's, it's quite difficult and I'm not in any way as clued up as Jordan is. But it was interesting hearing what Jordan said actually tallied with um, what I've written down, some of the things that I've written down, which included not easy to get past, quite like striding out and clipping one forward or into the box and no slouch for a big guy. So they are. I think I think he's... I like the look of him. And the thing Jordan said about not kind of clattering into people and whatnot, I thought was quite apt as well. And I thought, you know, from the bits that I saw, the, uh, the, the bit that kind of... He, the thing he seemed to do more often than not was kind of wait and then just stick one of those long legs in and poke the ball away or, or, or make a kind of sort yeah. of sliding tackle and, and take the ball away. So, yeah, he looks like he could be the defender that we've been missing for a, a while. Um, mm. High hopes. And if I was, you know, just the last thing on, on kind of Samir and obviously kind of wrap up a little bit on Kamara there too, because we are talking about the defence. I think if you're looking at how we fix this defence, um, I think uh, in terms of personnel we have available, you look at that, that back three and, and how you kind of, fit the players into there you, you want that outside center back to be a little bit more a little bit more expansive in possession someone that can can play in space and I think we do have some of those um and and Samir being one of them and the other side the right hand side you can kind of go in a few different ways but you you might expect that to be Cathcart for example you might you know and could be out for a while but that sort of player would be kind of who you'd want to be in there and then that central play you can have a little bit more aggression someone like a Syriata who kind of you know, he's going to win all those aerial duels. He's going to tackle everything that moves in the pitch, and he's he's someone that can play there um, and play in that star without maybe exposing us as much as he, he perhaps can do from a back four position where he's got less support. Um, the, the goals we conceded against Leicester, there's a couple there where um, a little bit of aggression, too much aggression, or just bad positioning from Syriata kind of pulled him into a weird position, and Cathcart was out of position too, and it just really just didn't look good. Our spacing was bad, and just simplifying things or changing to that back three and just allowing to. To maybe get the most out of the players we have um, might be a good move forward. And I, I think that they do complement each other uh, a little better because clearly we've had some defensive issues. It's not just the back four as a whole, but um, we do have to rectify some of those. And I think we at least, uh, in, in one perspective, from one perspective, we're bringing in players to hopefully improve that back line. Um, if we actually change an approach to it, might might be a solution somewhat. And uh, a final couple of positives about those two in particular is that uh, Kamara spoke to the club uh, recently in a, in a little interview and uh, I was really impressed with how uh, accomplished his English was actually I wasn't expecting that uh, so that was really good and of course you know language is important when you're you're playing football because instructions you know a lot of the time from Yanni area are going to be given out in English um, so that the rest of the team can understand what what they want from individual players and so I think that was very good to to see um, and also I I just want to highlight the fact that Smear being Brazilian, I wonder if, um, you know, if, if a little Jao Pedro might enjoy the fact that he's got another Brazilian experienced man uh, akin to Hilario Gomez to uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, bond with, hopefully. I mean, I mean, maybe that's just my little dream that the French players chat to the French players and the Brazilians chat to the Brazilians. But I mean, uh, I think I think it's quite nice. Whatever we have to do to keep him here. If we, if we have to sign a Brazilian every summer to keep Pedro around for a bit longer, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> Um, Kiembe then, Ido Kiembe. Um, we didn't have a lot about him last time, and I, I don't know if we've got a lot more this time, but I'm going to head over to you, Jordan, and hope that there's something because uh, I, I... Let's give Tom a go on this one. I feel like I've, I've talked a lot about the first two. Let's give Tom a start. All right, Tom, we'll give you the hardest one. <laughs> Good luck. 
Well, he pl- plays his strengths, and Jordan is literally an analyst. So, uh, no, I th- he's an interesting one, isn't he? I think you say it's so hard just watching. I'm literally just watching, going from area to area on Y scale and watching all the different clips and going, hmm, this seems good, this seems bad. But what I would say really kind of took me by surprise is that he does seem to get forward quite a bit for someone that has been ostensibly described to us as a kind of defensive midfielder and you know maybe that's not actually an accurate reflection of the the role he's playing and his his part in mm-hmm. uh in, in the team at Upen but um you know he does seem to have that kind of box to box trait he gets forward he seems to score goals this season which he hasn't done until now quite strong quite physical i hate kind of reducing players down to just their 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 technicals cuz uh, sorry their physical kind of attributes cuz it's quite obvious when you're watching them but yeah, he looks like a fairly rounded midfielder, but I just wonder, given the league he is coming from and, and what have you, and the kind of relative lack of experience in, in versus a kind of top five European leagues, how ready is he? How technically adept is he to come in and, and play in the Premier League? So maybe that's where Jordan can add some real insight. <laughs> no, I think you're pretty, I think you're pretty spot on from what I've seen. Um... He, he's quite a rangy player. He's, he covers a lot of grounds in, in the game, which is obviously something we look for in our midfield currently. Um, I'd say I do get some, I do get kind of a slight Peter Attilo feeling from this too. Um, he's kind of got that that well roundness where he does sit a little bit deeper. He does like to break up the play, but he's quite comfortable on the ball. Um, he's quite comfortable to actually carry the ball from the back. Again, it reminds me a little bit of Attilo how he will. He'll be under pressure, but still look to find his way around his, his marker and actually kind of spring forward a little bit. Um, he's he does contribute going forwards. I'm not sure if he's if he'll be given much of a role to do so with us. It's possible, um, but it wouldn't surprise me. If we saw him just kind of play a little bit more of that supporting role um, from a deeper position alongside Sissoko um, or possibly loser when he returns. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's some promise there. He's definitely. There's definitely more value than the likes of Gosling, who's kind of rotting in the bottom of our squad right now. So I think bringing him in is a smart move. Um, definitely one I'd say out of the three, I'd say he's probably the one we're looking at most for um, improvement. Obviously, he's the youngest. Um, but I think this is more of a project guy rather than the come in and expect an immediate impact as we do with the other two. Um, someone that could contribute from from the bench or he, he may get some starts. Perhaps he even is good enough to start now. But um, I, I think we'll be expecting less from him. Um, but still one that I would feel pretty good about, pretty low risk, um, and yeah, one that remains to be seen a little bit more. Okay. Um, after the Leicester game, we got the disappointing news from Ranieri's press conference that Nicholas Nkulu is going to be out for longer than we initially thought. Uh, they're talking now about maybe the end of March, maybe early April. Um, and that sort of leads me into my next question, which is with these three new signings and potentially one more on the way, we're not sure if that's actually happening or not anymore. Um, Vida is who I'm talking about but I mean I think they're probably constantly looking as the window's still open um, who has to make way to fit these guys in do you think I mean it's Nakulu automatically one of those in contention just because he's not going to be able to play much of a part is maybe Gosling in contention because he hasn't played much uh, this season so far so maybe is he not that highly thought of by Ranieri um, because we have a maximum number of 25 that we have to keep to and currently I think we're over if we have all three of them right yeah I think I think Gosling is is definitely one you'd expect to most likely be looking for um, for more football um, and kind of an easier route out obviously if Danny Rose was to go um, then that's another one too and, and there was talk of Cabaselli for a while wasn't there too mm. um, but with Nkulu 
I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we just don't submit and Kulu now. Um, just kind of consider him done for the year. Um, but it, there, there's definitely a few. There's there's some. I mean, Deadwood's maybe a bit of a harsh term, but with with, with incomings we've had, um, there's definitely a couple that you could look at and say, um, yeah, we could see them kind of moving in, in possibly the other direction when it comes to Ignazio or whether uh, we try and move on from them. It's just difficult because you've got to find clubs that are... You're going to take somewhat of a loss on these guys because you're going to find teams that aren't really looking to spend that money in, in January. Um, and we've got to try and move on from a couple of guys to kind of make our squad or make our, uh, our final squad for the rest of the season kind of fit. So it'll be interesting to see how we do so, especially if we are still looking on bringing in um, one or two more. Tom, what do you reckon? It's a real dilemma, isn't it, with Nkulu? I dare say the club's going to be in a better position to make um, make a decision on him, but you do kind of think if he's going to be out for basically the rest of the season, it's, there's little point in staking much on someone who might not be able to contribute until the final few games of the season. Good though he is, I was... I've always been minded in the past with England when we've been carrying someone like Wayne Rooney who was, was he suspended for two or three group games once going into a tournament. I just think it's a very sort of jam tomorrow mentality and I'm not sure it's particularly smart. That said, our other centre-halves are all fairly poor so <laughs> maybe we should hang on. I think as 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 uh, as, as um, Jordan... Good God, what happened there? I really... Is that... Is that- <laughs> I really wanted to call you. It's not toast, Tom. I really wanted to call you Ryan for some reason, <laughs> and then I couldn't get the word Ryan out of my head. Sorry, as Jordan said, um, Gosling's got. That's a dig for John last. Yeah, week. exactly. <laughs> um, um, Gosling's a goner, surely, and Fletcher. I mean, I know he's homegrown, but it's just kind of pointless existence, isn't it, for him? Like, he's not going to play. He's not an option. He's a non-option. Attack is the one area where we don't probably need to make changes this month. So, mm. yeah, I, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna take some juggling. Danny Rose is presumably gonna be just deregistered immediately, so that is one easy one. But after that, it's it's quite tricky, I think. Yeah, it's gutting about Nkula, isn't it? Because as soon as he he came to the club, he was showing us some really good performances. Instantly upgraded the defence and. Now he's potentially out for well, the majority of, of, of the season. Uh, did he sign in a one-year deal, was it? Or was it a couple of years? Two years? Was it just one year? Just do, one do you year, think he'll, yeah. he'll be re-signed for, for next season? Um, probably not. Yeah, I doubt say. it. Probably not. I, I think they'd feel hesitant um, to kind of... He's not had a terrible injury record, but I think they'd be hesitant to give another contract to a player that didn't last very long at all another year down the line with another injury. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I think it's more of a stopgap. And it is a shame because I I, I really liked Nkulu and I think he would have contributed something to the team. But it's just a not a, he's a bridge option, not a long term. Mm. OK, then let's move on to uh, to chatting more about transfers. But this time it's more of the, uh, well, not not necessarily dream transfers. They're, they're, have, have, have you seen... Um, Tifo's uh, realistic transfers uh, thing, or sensible transfers, I think it's called. Is it? Have you, have you seen mm. that before? I've seen bits of it. I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, but, well, they never yeah, do yeah. one for Watford, and uh, it annoys me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should have a little a little go. Um, so I've asked you both to go out and, and pick a couple of players that you think um, Watford could have gone for, um, and, and hopefully it's been kept within the sort of budget that Watford have, even though they may not spend uh, any of that. Budget, or I mean, you know, recently a couple, you know, eight million. That's not that's, that's decent. Although for a Premier League side, is it? I don't know. I, we'll leave that 
for for another time. But um, let's start with uh, Tom. Uh, let, have, you, have you got some people you can bring for us? Yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I tried to think in terms of players. If if, if we're going to do more business, where we should still would put, still potentially strengthen. Um, so the first one was at centre half. I still, you know, I wouldn't say no to another centre-half. The club were evidently after another centre-half with uh, with the Vida deal, or Vida being mentioned as a, as an option. Uh, so whether or not another centre-half is, is, is on the horizon or not, I don't know. But the name I've come up with is... And it turns out... Actually, it turns out both the guys I've um, uh, come up with have been uh, linked with us in the past. But really? the player I've come up with is... Omar Coley from Sampdoria, 29-year-old centre-back, another left-footer, contracted until 2025, so I dare say he's not going to be cheap. And I came out with him because we had, through a piece of work I did uh, recently, uh, he came out really well for kind of defensive numbers. Obviously, reading into that, you don't want to read into that too much. I think it's fair to say, and Jordan can probably elaborate on this a bit more perhaps, but you know, doing lots of defending isn't necessarily a good thing. It just means you play for a bad team. And that is, uh, you know, I'm sure yeah. Watford's defenders come out come out well, right, for a number of uh, headed uh, aerial duels won and, and stuff. Maybe they don't. You might have had the word you know attempted I mean? in the middle of uh, at the start. Yeah, of that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Sampdoria... Or, 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 or Messina uh, and Tristekong's... Um point of view um not attempted headers or yeah, 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 yeah. Headers. Anyway, oh, actually i was gonna say tom with with Masna, you, you're fully you're fully gonna miss that behind the back bowling tackle he goes for that's gonna be one thing you're gonna miss seeing from him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I know you're fond of that in particular. <laughs> yeah no that is true as well uh i'd forgotten about that um uh, yes omar Coley. so sam doria 15th they conceded 38 goals so far this season they aren't a particularly good side. Obviously knows Claudio Ranier from working with him last season. Has won 72% of his tackles this season, which is on the high side. Ranks sixth versus all Serie A centre-backs for tackles. One per 90 minutes. Second for interceptions. Uh, which kind of suggests to me that, you know, reads the game well. And, and from watching him, he's, he almost looks like he's in the kind of the Samir um, mould of being someone that doesn't necessarily go flying in like a lunatic but you know quite quite tall can stick in a leg and quite considered that said he there are there, there are some instances I've seen of him being quite aggressive and physical and and getting stuck in as well so you know suggests that he would probably cope quite well with the the physicality of the Premier League so yeah he would be my first pick okay. at centre-half if we were going to sign another one. Coley what do you think of that one Jordan? Yeah, interesting. Not one I've watched as hard of myself, so I can't comment too heavily. But I mean, from everything Tom said, he sounds like an interesting option. Any, any idea on contract details, Tom? Has he got long? Do you know or not sure? Oh, sorry, did I say contracted until twenty twenty five? So that's oh, the only okay. downside. I suspect he wouldn't be easy to get out, mm. and he does obviously play basically every week for them. Okay. Uh, so yeah, might not be cheap. All right, that's a good one though. Um, should we have one from yourself, Jordan, or? Yeah, actually, I might as well start with... Um, yeah, and then we'll go back with, to you, Tom, afterwards. With uh, centre-back as well. Yeah, so I was looking at uh, a player called... These two players are actually players that I've been lucky enough to see a fair amount of through work. So I 
feel like I can talk about them a little bit better. Um, okay, so the first one is a centre back, Croatian centre back, six foot four, called Jakov Medic. Uh, he plays for St. Pauli in in Germany in the second division, the Bundesliga two. Um, mm. Physical six foot four centre back, um, but he's he kind of reminds me of. Um, He's got that kind of Dan Burnness about him, you know, where they're 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 very lanky and tall, <laughs> but somehow they play like they play in a smaller body. I don't. He's he's agile. He's able to kind of get past a man from centre back, which is really interesting. Um, but he's also very good in the air, um, composed, promising young player, twenty three years old, uh, and someone that I think would fit kind of what we're trying to do. Um, if if we if he's to fit in our team, he'd be on the on the kind of out. He could play outside centre back or inside um, if we were to play a three. Uh, and he's also played in both of the back two um, centre-back positions. But predominantly right now, he's playing for a, a team that's playing the back three. So we had a lot of space on that left-hand side, um, which is obviously a position we've needed. Um, I know we've brought in Samir, but um, he, he's someone that can play on the left. Even though he's right-footed, he spent a lot of time there. Um, and yeah, he's, he's also a threat from set pieces going forward. Six foot four, he, he does get shots on target. He's scored a few goals. Um, from set plays and he's just a threat on 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 every free kick and kind of that main target somewhat we've done with Syriata in recent years but a little bit more a little bit more effective um uh, than Syriata has been for us uh good injury record probably available for a decent fee um and yeah just a really nice well-rounded center back I think would be, would do a job for us and and one that we could look at as a as a potential future option and someone that we'd also be able to stick around should we go down nice one that sounds pretty good, actually. I, I would, I'd take him now. <laughs> Don't ask me if I've seen him because I definitely haven't. You haven't watched much of uh, St. Pauli, no? <laughs> but the, the German no, second no, division no. doesn't I, do it for you, Tom. Yeah, I, I've been to St. Pauli, but I'm more of I'm more of a Hamburg man, to be honest. Oh, so. oh fair enough. Yeah. Big rivals, couldn't, yeah. Wouldn't associate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my one for centre back, anyway. And my next one, well, obviously, I'll, you go next, Tom. My next one's not our centre back, just just so we're not kind of going down the same route. I'm interested to know what position you've also targeted then as your secondary position. I went for a right back. What did you do? I've actually gone for a I've actually gone for a winger striker. Oh. Okay, interesting. I thought that was the one area of the team I'd leave alone. It's not a massive team need, but I, I think that one more injury we could be thin. Um we're still not a hundred percent sure on yeah. where Sarah's. Um and I think for us to stay up in, in January we've got to take a bit of a gamble and I would I would do so in a four position if we have the flexibility to do so. Um, it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be a bad move. Um, I think the other position that would definitely be up there would potentially be goalkeeper. That wasn't what I looked at. Yeah, so goalkeeper was going to be my next one, but I'll be honest with you, it's so hard. It's even harder when you're as uh, amateur as me to work out who's good and who's bad. And <laughs> it's so it is on. tough. It's not my so strongest I, either, yeah. That's it. that's it. It does require a bit of specialism, I think, doesn't it? So I basically bottled that and went for the easy life and picked a right back because I kind of feel like I don't know if Ngakia is fully kind of entrusted, even though I like him. Uh, and Kiko, love him though I do, and great going forward though he has been. I just feel like defensively in the Premier League, he just seems very suspect. So I tried to pick someone uh, that would improve us there. Don't know whether he would, to be honest, necessarily. But again. My starting point for this was trying to find someone that's based on the numbers and then kind of going in and watching them. So there are a couple of names that came forward. First one was a guy called Petr Stojanovic, who is a Slovenian right back. But he turns out he's on loan at Empoli from Dinamo Zagreb. So that's not a lot of use to us. Uh, mid-season, 32 caps though, so uh, potentially decent. 
The other one, the next one that I came across was Akim Zedadka. Uh, almost certainly murdered his name there. He is a 26-year-old Algerian right back who plays for Clermont. Uh, but having watched him, I thought he was incredibly iffy on the defensive side, and therefore, despite being quite a game getting forward, decent crosser, or better than decent crosser, um, quite progressive, it was probably going to end up being a bit of a Kiko mark too. So eventually, I settled on Enoch Quateng of Bordeaux. He is 24 years old, French, has played centre-back, wing-back and left-back as well. Bordeaux mostly play, or pretty much exclusively play, in a back four under contract until 2023. They are 17th in Ligue 1 and have conceded the most goals in the French top flight. So that uh, don't read too much into that. Um, <laughs> but makes me think, although Bordeaux the club you know, might be available potentially, um, coming to the Premier League would probably be quite appealing to him. He's a French youth international who, has won, who won uh, the under-19 Euros in 2016 and was a teammate of Kylian Mbappe. So... You know, nice bit of background colour for you there. Anyway, what sort of player is he? Makes and wins a hell of a lot of tackles. Ranks very, very well for interceptions. Looks quite a good 1v1. Looks quite tough to get past. Got decent bit of kind of recovery pace. There's room for improvement there, but I feel like, you know, he would hopefully be an improvement in that respect. Uh, second for interceptions versus all other Liga right-backs. Third for regains in the defensive third, but also fourth for forward passing percentage and sixth for cross completion percentage so kind of indicative of the fact that he is decent going forward as well and then weirdly when I was just Twitter searching his name to see if I could find out any additional gems or rip off anyone else's work more to the point I found <laughs> that he was linked with us in 2019 when his contract at Nantes was expiring oh. so uh, Watford's recruitment and I aligned uh, whether or not that means they looked at him two years ago thought now nah, you're alright and moved on is Maybe uh, a case to answer, but they are Enoch Quatting. You know, Tom, I bet you were pretty good at maths as, as a kid because uh, I love how you show you're working. You know, I, I think that's I think that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Irony is, I was actually terrible at maths, and I hate numbers to this day. It's ironic for some of the worst in stats. That is, that is yeah, brilliant. isn't it? <laughs> um, Jordan, what do you think of those uh, those players? Any any of them that you've uh, heard of or that you you agree? Yeah, with, interesting. It's. I mean, I like it. I like looking at different approaches, and obviously, we we kind of it varies how you assess these players, and we kind of do it in a small amount of time of finding players that that fit what we're doing. But I think I think the ones that are mentioned there, are, you know, they sound promising and uh, interesting prospects. So it's definitely, um, yeah, I enjoy that conversation. I think they could be good. Now, Jordan, you're going to talk to us about a, a winger come striker, right? Mm, Interestingly, yeah, we... um, very recently, uh, I saw a piece on the Watford Observer that said that Watford were playing down links to uh, to a winger because they're not they're not looking for someone they were linked with a, a Bordeaux winger Samuel Kalu mm-hmm. uh, apparently another, another the, Nigerian yeah that's right another Nigerian three million was 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 what was uh, being spoken about but um, I think maybe it's just bluster because uh, Watford have basically said that they're they're not interested in a, in a winger at the minute but uh, he did share a, a, or does share an agent with Peter Atibo so maybe that's kind of where the links uh coming from but um so anyway sorry to sorry, sorry to sort of like uh gazump you then be like ah they don't want to wing it doesn't matter because uh, i'm really interested to see uh, what well what you never know you never know stranger things have happened so i'll go ahead anyway um so yeah the, the player i'm looking at is uh is a attacking midfielder winger striker so very versatile and that's part of the reason why i looked at him um and wanted to kind of go with him 
Um, he's someone that can that can play, as I said, in a variety of positions. And I think that's what that's what we should be looking at if we're going to bring someone in, in January in a forward position, um, someone that can cover multiple places. So his name's Jefferson Savarino. He's a 25-year-old Venezuelan uh, playing currently in, in Brazil um, for Atletico Mineiro. Um, he's was recently playing with Diego Costa until he got released. But um, he, yeah, he's attacking for the winger striker. He's small, five foot seven, agile, um, really good pass to the ball, just a dynamic, dynamic, aggressive forward. And when I say aggressive, I mean he takes his man on, he dribbles. Think a little bit of a kind of a Delefeu like in a sense, um, kind of unorthodox, but maybe a little bit inconsistent at times, unorthodox, but still positive. Um, kind of makes the makes the game around him and likes to be the kind of centre of the game. He's very active, heavily involved this season. Um, offensively, he's been one of the standouts um, of of the year, um, and he's he's just been very productive. His his goals per ninety minutes right at the top end. Um, XG per ninety, I think, he's third in the league. Um, same with his expected assists too. Plenty of shots per game. His conversion rate's good. He's finishing the chances he's taken. Um, he, he's just heavily involved in everything they do. Um, and he's also someone that I know for sure is available um, and is in talks with a few clubs in England and uh, Watford could potentially be one of them if they were to be interested. Um, so yeah, he's someone I'd definitely be looking at as a potential option there to cover a few spaces. Okay. I like the sound of Della you like. That's uh, that's certainly getting me interested. Yeah, I mean I mean, kind of like a little bit like, you know, that, that winger that you're playing a little bit off leash, he's not quite, he's not going to be kind of contributing as much defensively. Um, you're not going to rely on him for those situations, but he's someone that you can play uh, and can be there to be a creator uh, in unorthodox ways. You can, because of that versatility and, and positional where he can play, he can he can come inside, he can play wide, he can just be quite diverse and fluid on the pitch. And I think that's that's an area that we could really kind of do with um, a little bit of depth in, because I do think we're not too far away from uh, you know being in a situation where Ken Semmer's coming off the bench and we could be having um, something a little bit more positive. Okay, Tom, thoughts on that one? That was a name I recognised, but then when you said he played for Atletico Mineiro, I thought, oh, maybe it isn't the guy I was thinking of, so maybe there's another Saverino out there. Sounds good. I mean, I, I do agree with you. And when you said a winger initially, I thought, well, do you know what? Any situation that avoids having to call on Ken Semmer, and then you said it yourself, oh, yeah. is, 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 you know, welcome. Obviously, we don't know the situation. We saw Kucho, flashes of brilliance, long spells of mediocrity, uh, Chao Pedro's kind of in and out of the team. So, you know, we need to, if we don't tighten up defensively, then we're going to have to score more goals. So, you know, it sounds like it could be someone that at the very least gets people off their seats. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm easily sold on, on players that want to run at fullbacks. <laughs> well, he's one of them for sure. So Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I had a little go at this. I, I didn't come up with any many names, in fact, just the one, but uh, I thought I'd, I'd throw him out there. Uh, his name is... Florian Grilich, uh, I actually shared this with you guys in, in our little WhatsApp. He plays for 1899 Hoffenheim. Uh, and I was looking in the defensive midfield area because I feel like that's the position that we need to solidify in with Loser being out uh, at the AFCON. Mm. Um, I found that he's out of contract in the summer. Um, he's got very good uh, abilities in that sort of holding role. We can ping a pass out um, and he... Links up very well with the rest of the midfield. He uh, is also Austrian, so there's that kind of um, link there with Backman, which may help uh, convince him to come to Watford. That is, if Backman still uh, likes playing at Watford. Um, and I think he would be affordable. So that, that's sort of my uh, pick. 
Uh, I don't know if you. Yeah, I went and had a look at him. Quite a big bodied, um, kind of big, big body defensive midfielder that can play. I think I saw as well he had a few appearances at centre back, which is kind of interesting too. So maybe even a little bit cover there if you want. Yeah, he's been playing centre half most. Has played in the centre mid as well, but kind of two thirds of his minutes have been at centre back this season, which is interesting. And honestly, I'm not going to complain about someone that can do both of those things either. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, okay, we've chatted about transfers and we've enjoyed that, but now we have to get back to the reality of uh, what's coming up. And it is probably the biggest week of the season for Watford. Back to the harsh reality of our <laughs> of our current predicament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Newcastle, Burnley and Norwich. I mean, I don't know if it's good them all being together or not. I don't know. But I mean, ideally we want nine points there, don't we? I know that's, maybe, maybe that's a bit, you know, hopeful, but um, you know, we, we at least seven, I think, from these three to have a really good chance of staying up this season. Guys. Yeah, I think um, I I would take four, but seven would be ideal. Obviously, well, nine would be ideal, of course, but seven would be. I, I just think we could, we have to win one of these. Get, we can't get two two losses, basically, is the way I look at. It. We have to win one, can't lose two. That's kind of how I feel. Um, I think coming out with three points would be underwhelming, um, and obviously, anything less than that's you know, catastrophic. I think we have to be coming away with something. So uh, there's a lot to, it's a lot of work to get done in one week, but um, yeah, I mean, we have to, we have to come away with something. And there are a few, there's a few nuances. These, these upcoming fixtures we can talk about. Obviously one of the big ones would be Chris Wood's situation. Um, And honestly, that could be a huge signing for us. If it means, if there's a possibility that Chris Wood was unavailable for two games, that'd be amazing Um, because we know he's haunted us in the past. 
Um, I'm not sure what the actual situation is in, in regards to him being able to play um, for Newcastle in that time, probably, but I don't know. Fingers crossed, there's some issue there. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. Cons- I'm, I'm pretty pleased not to be available for Burnley anyway. Mm. Tom, um, it's a big week. It is a week that could define Ranieri's uh, season, really. Yeah, people are pinning a, a hell of a lot of hope on this on this week, obviously. And I, I don't want to be the, the doom monger and the naysayer because that does seem to be the role I fall into. Um, you know, I said before January, January alone isn't going to solve all our ills. This week alone isn't going to keep us up, but it's going to you know put us in a very good position to do so if we can get points. However... Even though I am pleased that with the business we've done, that we've done it quickly and early, you know, there's no guarantee that those guys are all going to be ready to go straight into the team. There's no guarantee they're all going to click. It is, you know, you're looking at kind of half of a new defence and maybe a new holding midfielder or, or central midfielder in, in front of them. And I think, um, you know, these these kind of partnerships and understandings do take a little while to to click, don't they? So it, it's, it's not going to be. You know, it will be a shot in the arm, but it, it won't necessarily make us turn us from you know the the the, the little defence that we are to the the Fortnum and Mason defence we'd like to be, and really getting a lot of use out of that uh, I, I shopping. Think, I think we'd take Tesco's analogy. at a minute time, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. The thing I would say with, with, with Newcastle is, you know, that they, they are evidently a poor team. They, I've used to live in the northeast I follow a lot of Newcastle fans they have improved since Eddie Howe came in but as we saw they, they obviously lost to uh, a, a kind of middling league one team in Cambridge but I, I noticed when I was doing a bit of research earlier that they have missed the most big chances in the Premier League this season 11 and you'd think if they put those chances away where would they be so I'm not saying their position's false it's you know it's been enough games that they're obviously where they deserve to be but uh, with a proper striker in Chris Woods, if if he is available or not, you know, I'm not quite sure the ins and outs of that. But if he is available for any reason, then that's going to be an improvement uh, up front for them. So you know, they are they are a decent they, they are a decent team. I was about to say they're not a decent team; they're a terrible team. But uh, they, they are going to be looking at us as as three points potentially as well to kickstart you know the the revolution that they've got going on there. So. Yeah, that's going to set the tone for the week, isn't it? Getting a result against them. I have to say, I still feel I feel similarly to when we were kind of in a similar position the last relegation season. We had a few fixtures in a sort of compact area where we we felt like we had to win these games. We actually did quite well um, in some of them, like in Norwich, for example, and we were able to to get a few victories. And I do think that I still fancy us. Um, to beat these teams, I do think we do have quality in the team that's capable of doing so. And I do, I do still feel relatively positive on Ranieri, despite the recent run of results. I think you can kind of break down each of those games, and you can see some of the positives. Even though the last couple have been a bit dire, but you kind of maybe feel there's some there's some hope there. Um, and looking at the teams we're playing, I just think that we can we can be optimistic. And we can come out of these games with results. Um, I don't think we're the worst of the bunch um, by any means. Um, but obviously, I think the thing we're all hoping for is to avoid that sort of performance we saw in the last relegation season away to West Ham. We just kind of capitulated. And it was everything we didn't want. Mm. Um, I really hope that we're positive in these games. And I hope we can build some momentum. Obviously, that starts um, that will start with Newcastle. But if we can do so, if we can come out of that with three points, then and not just three points, three points and a good performance would be 
it would be everything we could possibly hope for and that would set us up quite nicely obviously that's a pretty pretty surface level statement to make i know it's pretty obvious but um i do think we're at a real a real turning point in the season potentially either way and whilst i, I think tom's right you can't pin everything down to three games even if they are teams around us uh, i do think we're at a point of uh, of ranieri's kind of stewardship here and also um part of the season we have to see we have to see improvement i think it, it could easily set the tone to the rest of the season um I, I do think the the timing of it makes these three fixtures even bigger than the three fixtures themselves if he has a nightmare uh, tom and, and, and jordan and and they uh they lose all three games. Do you think that spells the end of Ranieri's time with Watford or, or the fact that they've, you know, sort of supported him with the transfers in, in this window? Does that kind of give us an inkling that they're going to be with him throughout? It's hard to say because ordinarily, you know, we're used to them sacking managers and going, you know, the squad that we've assembled should be doing much better, blah, blah, blah. I think the fact that we signed three players in the first week of January is the biggest admission yet that they know they fucked up last summer um, you know they're not going to say well, sorry lads we screwed up but I think that's the biggest kind of non-verbal admission of, of guilt on their behalf so you'd like to think that that means they're now going to give Ranieri the time to work with those players and, and anyone else that may follow however we shouldn't be surprised by anything and if they think that sacking Nigel Pearson and putting Hayden Mullins in charge of games against Manchester City and Arsenal is the you know the potential shock What's, what's the, the, the thing I'm looking for? The phrase I'm looking manager for? Manager bounce. Yeah, manager bounce. That's it, exactly. Kind of manager bounce um, that might keep us up, might have kept us up. Then anything is truly possible. So I hope not, but I would never be surprised. I mean, at least I could see the logic last time. I could kind of see where they were coming from in some ways. it was There were some real poor aspects to the team and all things considered, I at least could see some of it. This time, at this point, I'm not really sure. I, th- I think we've, we've tried the other way before and it, obviously it could work if we try again, but I, I just think that we, we'd we benefit mostly from um, from trying to continue it, can try to continue a little bit further with Ranieri and allow some of his, some of his kind of ideas to come across a little bit more and hopefully see, see some of that more implemented into the team. We saw flashes of it and we've seen, we've seen periods of it. I think there were times um, un- under, say, Pearson, for example, we knew... We knew we were fairly one-dimensional and I think we saw quite quickly once that started to kind of fade a little bit, we didn't really have any sort of um, other avenues of playing and we kind of got a little bit constricted and things clearly weren't changing. I think the difference with Ranieri is uh, he has more versatility to his to his style and I think that we do have um, a few a few more things to be positive about in this situation. So it, it for me personally, it, it obviously depends on the manner and obviously the, the way things go in the games. Maybe there's something so egregious that it could it could change my mind. But at this point, I, I do feel like I'm I'm at the I would be sticking with Ranieri regardless of how these three games pan out. Um, I do still think he gives us the best chance to to stay up currently based on what other options we have um, and, and where we are. Tom, are you, are you worried at all about the signing of Kieran Trippier? Uh, he's a good player. I'd be a lot more worried if they were definitely going to have Chris Wood in time, given his delivery and uh, Chris Wood's well propensity for shitting on us, but also scoring headed goals. So, and and the Kieran Trippier's actually. What Kieran Trippier's what? Yeah. He scored. Well, I'm saying that's another guy. He's, he's we've got. I mean, he's he's played. A, he's played a couple of games. We played particularly well. I think he scored the winner in one for Tottenham as well at, at Vicarage Road one season. So, just two players. I just rather not see against me every week. Oh right, sorry, gotcha. I didn't. I didn't realise he'd scored. He'd got a particularly good record against us. I remember him getting an assist 
against us or someone. So fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, but we haven't we haven't mentioned Norwich yet, who uh, incidentally are in action currently as we as we speak. Uh, currently West Ham nil, Norwich nil. Uh, I think we're all praying for a West Ham uh, smashing in that game. Um, is that because we, the reason we haven't mentioned Norwich because that's the game that we're least worried about or, or, or the game that we think that we have the better chance in or I mean I know it's a typical thing isn't it? every every head coach is going to say every game is as hard as the next one but in reality I don't know if that's really true well it's definitely not true no um I think Norwich are the worst team in the league um I think objectively they're the worst team in the league currently they had a bit of an improvement didn't they kind of a few weeks ago but I I just watched them I just don't see I just don't see a team that's able to consistently compete in this division as they are uh, and the way they approach things. So they they are the weakest team. Uh, having said that, they also still, you know, you have to kind of, you can't underestimate them in a, in, in a one-off situation. There's always the possibility they could win. It's not like they've got zero points this season. Um, they are still the, a similar team to what we played last season and kind of had close games against. And we've obviously made some changes, but we're not a ton better than we were. So it's... It, it, it's not a game you should underestimate for sure. But in my opinion, they are the worst team in the league. I've had the chance to watch Norwich a fair bit. I just don't really see... I, I don't really see them staying up this season at all. I think it'd be extremely difficult. And um, yeah, I think we kind of have to look at this one as a, as a must win. Okay, cool. Um, last point from me, guys, before we uh, wrap up the show. I just wanted to mention um, AFCON is obviously in full swing. Uh, several Watford players out there at the minute doing their thing for their clubs. Uh, Adam Messina... Loser uh, and Troost Ekong. Uh, have I mentioned? Have I forgot somebody? Is that everyone? I think <laughs> everyone will be allowed to go. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, have you watched? Have you caught any of the games yet? Have you been? Have you have you liked what you've seen? Is there anything that you're uh, that you want to mention? I mean, I I saw the um, the Nigeria game the other the other day, and I thought that was um, you know really really special actually. Watching Nigeria versus versus Egypt uh, and Nigeria shocked me a bit. Um, com- you know, considering that. You know, Egypt has has Salah in their in their ranks. Um, what 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 was your thoughts? I haven't watched too much of the Afcon so far. Um, th- honestly, it's, it's it's just not. <laughs> is it? No, no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I've I've seen clips. I've I've watched some highlights and stuff. But I've not sat down and watched the games yet. I did see there was some bizarre incident today. I don't know the details of it fully, but um, with the game being the ref finishing the game early and this, what, what, what was going on with that? I'm, I'm not just bringing oh, up the subject I'm not entirely clued up on. Did you see that, Tom? Yeah, he sort of ended the game five minutes early without, evidently without realising, restarted it. What? Yeah, restarted <laughs> it, then ended it again at the 89th minute and then after sort of, as you can imagine, much arguing and whatnot, I think they went back out quite a bit later to play the remaining however long it was going to be plus injury or minute plus injury time. So yeah, a bit chaotic. I must admit, it sounds terrible. I, I haven't watched a single minute. I've just seen the kind of the, the great goals, funny bits, et cetera, et cetera, clips on, on social media. That's all, that's all I've, uh, all I've seen so far. Um, I hadn't realized, and I meant and, until recently, and I meant to say this on the previous pod, I think, uh, Maduka Okoye, obviously, who will be joining us in the summer, is uh, starting for Nigeria or started for Nigeria in their 1 0 win over Egypt in their group opener and kept a clean sheet along ah, with William yes, Trusta Kong. So, although there is no Emmanuel Dennis, there is Watford interest in the Nigeria squad still. So, yeah, check him out. Nice. That was actually the game that I did watch more of. Sorry. 
That, that I did watch some of the Nigeria Egypt game just purely because I wanted to see Mo Salah against Trista Kong, and it wasn't as disastrous as I had feared. No, as last time it wasn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched the Morocco Ghana game, um, and it was a real ball that one. Um, but there was a there was a uh, you know it was it was interesting watching loser and seeing how he was being played. He wasn't really having a having a great game, unfortunately. Adam Messina was average-ish, um, but um, Morocco as a whole probably, I don't know, they should have done a bit better there. They did win the win, get, get the win eventually. Um, Buffal managed to poke it. Well, I say poke it, he smashed it, but it was from inside it sort of fell to him. It wasn't like, you know, a, a quality goal. It was more of a just a, a decent goal. <laughs> um the way I describe goals is, is fantastic, isn't it? I do see. I have seen some clips of Buffal being Buffal. Lots of just like I, that's the one we kind of clipped over the over the Ghanaian defender, and he comes back and just smashes him in the back for the free kick. But yeah, I think with the, with the Afcon, I think the, the quality can be so varied, and that you never really know going in game to game what to expect. And with the time difference for me, I've not really committed to sitting down and watching one. Um, the whole way through yet but maybe as the competition goes on i will do uh, some more okay cool um oh we have some reviews did we did we establish that there were spotify reviews um i think we did establish that there are spotify reviews but do we have any i i did it i think somebody very kindly uh, and you might have to remind me who jordan left us a spotify review but um i think there's something along the lines of you need to have a certain number before you actually get to see what the review is. Mm. Oh, yes, it, it was Mark. Mark left us a review because um, he he let us know that he gave us that crucial five out of twenty we were asking for. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got at least one, which is good. Oh oh gosh, we've got more than one. We've got eleven. Oh, there you go. Eleven. Wow, crikey! So you, Thank you, you so much, everybody. We couldn't have gone. We couldn't have let this finish and go kind of untalked about because 11 people have taken the fact that people even take the time out of their day to listen to this podcast is kind of ridiculous to me as it is let alone actually going to review so obviously we do appreciate that this what have we got Matt? have we got 11 positive well I, I don't think spotify allows you to write or if it does it doesn't show me it but it does show that um we have uh a 4.9 um stars from 11 reviews 4. i'd take 4.9 uh, that's pretty yeah. good isn't it solid pretty good uh we do actually have some more um written reviews on the itunes, uh, iTunes. Hey, hey okay so so we've got 4.8 out of 5 uh from 32 ratings on itunes which is uh which is decent um we've got a new review in uh from sean who says uh great content as always love to listen to matt and the team debate the hornets um, although his title was intriguing listening, so I think that's good, right? Yeah, not in, not necessarily entertaining, but pot- potentially interesting. And I don't know if I read this one out before. It was um, it's uh, his title is Jurai Kuchka Spurs. Really enjoyed the pods and appreciate your efforts, Ari Jurai. I appreciate people will have differing opinions, but frankly, the general consensus around where I was sitting in the rookery was that he was by far our best player on the night. The club yeah, named I think, him I think as our man were... of the match, as did the Sunday Times. He is not a right back, but he performed better there than most have this season. As were a lot of players of his ilk, his aggression, which served us very well for nine to six minutes, ultimately let us down, but he does not deserve the stick you guys handed out to him. Not a criticism, but the pod, by the way, keep it going. Well, thank you. Um, 
I don't know if we gave him stick, did we? We just sort of tempered our praise. I think I I, I gave him yeah, stick. Yeah, but only insofar as... I think I gave him stick, and just to... Just... I felt like it was very measured, because I listened to it back. Yeah, I mean, just to... Oh, okay. I've not listened to it back, so honestly, I'm just... All I know is that we recorded it pretty much straight after the game, um, and I don't know. When you're not at the game, I think sometimes you can maybe... Or maybe it could work both ways. When you're not at the game, you can maybe under underestimate or when you're at the game maybe you can overestimate the impact of a player based on the the kind of feeling of the game and the the application from the player i know kuchka someone's gonna give 100 percent um and i'm not saying that he was terrible for the game or anything it's more just that a couple of moments and, and that one instant at the end which is obviously very frustrating but if you've listened to it more recently we were more measured than that then fair enough but it's also interpretation and if we were a bit over negative on kuchka then i, I apologize to kuchka and, and uh well, that was from Bagshot Boy. So apologies to Bagshot Boy. Um, look, uh, you know what? I I don't know if we were that harsh on on Urakic, but we certainly did uh, say that he made a mistake, um, which which he did. To be to be to be fair, I don't know how we. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He did make a mistake, didn't he? He did, but maybe he, I mean I, I'm struggling to remember the entirety of the game back now. But he probably had some more positive. We probably just talked about the negatives and not about the positives of his game. So I get it. That's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. One thing I do like about Kushka, I do I do enjoy the fact he has a Stranger Things tattoo, which is pretty off brand. I wouldn't have expected that, but he does have a pretty big one. He has a Stranger Things tattoo, does he? Yeah, I think he's got like a pic. I think he's got a tattoo of eleven. Hmm. Yeah, so a little bit of Kushka trivia for you. You know, you know, I I should have spotted that. I I once went swimming with Uri Kushka. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> you just you're just bringing up this. You're just bringing up this story of you going swimming with <laughs> I mean, it was just me and him in the pool. No, you didn't. And, you, uh, he was there when you were was, there. It was a bit of a weird moment because we, we were both sort of like, and it was a small pool. It's a very small pool. If you've been to Software House, um, it's the pool they've got there in their spa. Um, it's not It's not the biggest pool. And we were both sort of swimming laps um in this very laps. small pool yeah you're yeah, doing yeah. like circular laps um and uh it was just it was just it was just a bit a weird feeling because i knew exactly who he was he had recently signed and i was looking at him like oh sure. my god and um <laughs> he was probably thinking who's this who's this weirdo like staring at me like i thought they're supposed to keep the weirdos out of this place but you know one crept in so and my, girl, my, my, my girlfriend what? poor her she was on the side there reading a book just having to try and deal with me uh you know, getting a man crush, but um, yeah, that, I, his, I, there's uh, not much to that story. To be honest, I think the, I think the story. I didn't see his tattoos. <laughs> well, it's on the well, back no, of his I, calf. I you might have had to, It's on the back of his calf. You might have had to have your goggles on for that one. But right, okay. Um, what was his? What was a um, <laughs> uh, Uri's stroke of choice? I, I picture him being a front crawl guy. He was a front crawl guy. He yeah. was a front crawl guy. Were you a breaststroke, Matt? Yeah, I was a breaststroke. Um, <laughs> And <laughs> struggling to keep up, obviously, but the strokes are, you know, <laughs> a professional football player, and I am uh, not. Well, you're right. If you if you remember that conversation, you happen to be listening to this podcast, please let us know what you thought of Matt in that situation, because it's it'd be nice to hear the other side of this story. <laughs> and also, if you've seen a Watford player in a weirder place, get in touch, or in any weird place, get in touch, because that could be some great content to rival that. Oh gosh, that reminds me. Last last week, actually, I had a curry next to Malky Mackay. <laughs> Do you just exclusively spend your spare time stalking Watford players? In, uh, None in, of this sounds real. In, in, 
I don't know what's going. I don't know what. I don't know. What, I was in Bart Campstead. I'm not sure what he was doing because he's he's the manager of Ross County, isn't he? But Scotland are on no, a break at the moment. Is that right? Or no, yeah. I think is that right? I I don't know. Well, I don't no, know why he was down there. Otherwise, I, I, I felt like coming up to him and saying, "Hey, how's Hungbo doing?" You know, like, but um, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I will say there was. Uh, it wasn't my experience, um, but a friend of mine went on a like resort holiday to Dubai a few years ago, and he was there for the same time as Chrissy Waluma. He had a good, a few good photos with Chris, and they they got into a pretty intense uh, water polo kind of game that was ongoing throughout the time he was there. So I got to see lots of. Uh, Lots of fun, oh, Chrissy nice. Walumo, um in the swimming pool. One of my favourite ex Watford players. Just kind of playing some uh, water polo, yeah, it was good. Chris Iwilumo is a really nice guy. I, I can imagine, really, yeah. Yeah, I did an interview with him once over the phone, and he, it was a laugh a minute. He was a he was a great guy. So uh, that, that 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 sounds like an experience I would like to have been part of. And seemingly a good water polo player. Yeah. Well, he was he was absolute unit, wasn't he? Big, absolute yeah. like muscles on muscles, big boy. Yeah, no. Well, I like to think he exclusively used his head for water polo too. Though. <laughs> That's, that would be class. Uh, <laughs> so, what's this podcast going to be called? Uri Kutzka's tattoos or Chris Ulumo's water polo? <laughs> oh, it could be him, couldn't it? <laughs> Just footballers in unless pools, you can trump us, Tom. Do you have any yeah. uh, you know related Watford stories? Well. No, but I will say that when I remember being a child, when or a teenager, I suppose, when Malcolm Mackay was playing for Watford, and I nearly got taken out by him in the what was then the Harlequin outside Sport and Soccer. I was walking one direction, not really looking, and he appeared, and I sort of ducked and got around him, and I was like, oh, "Bloody hell, that was Malcolm Mackay!" So um, that, that's probably about as that's probably about my weirdest. Just shows how past it Malcolm Mackay was at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Given the runaround by, what was it, about 2005? So when's that? 16 years ago. 14 year old me. Yeah, no, it's quite bad, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think well, I've What chance do we have in the FA Cup semi? True. I don't, I don't think I've seen any other Watford players out in the wild, to no. be honest. You know, obviously, seen them at the training ground and, and whatnot and that, but I don't think I've ever seen them actually, yeah, out in the wild. Okay. I've seen a few. I, had, I remember there's a, there's a brief there's a period of time. I think it's the sixteen seventeen season where I just kept bumping into Rene Gil Martin, oh, yeah. and it was just like it was a point where I was at, um, I had a few games to cover at Watford's training ground in a short period of time, so I was there quite often. And he would sit in the stands. He he was he was at the under twenty three games. A surprising amount. I'm not sure if he had some other role that he was doing at the time that we kind of didn't really know about, but he was always around there. And um, I actually got. There was one one game I went to another Watford game, which is an away game, and I was in the in the kind of friends and family section. And I was sat in it, I was kind of sat very close to Gilmartin again. We kind of kept having these awkward stares. You know, like when you go to the gym, you kind of know these guys. You don't you don't really know their names. You just kind of say hello every day. It kind of had that. Eventually, kind of had that kind of strange relationship. But unfortunately, we lost we lost touch over the years. But I enjoyed it while it lasted. Okay. Rene Gilmartin's another one, absolute top bloke, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. You- yeah. Know this he was a fantastic summariser for a bit on, on Three Counters Radio as well. He was. Do you know why he gave up? Did no, he do? Why did he give up? Because when we were at WD Sport, we used to use his comments that he made on commentary because they were quite insightful for a, for a player and, and certainly someone who was attached to the club at that time in the live blog and in the match stuff and he got upset about it and, and, and stopped doing co-commentary with John Mark. So that was a shame because he was good at it. Okay, so we can blame you specifically, Tom, for... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> Not me specifically. Didn't he? Didn't he cover? Didn't he cover a game for us? Maybe he wasn't on TV. Was he on one of the um, one of the like Hive Live games last year? He may no. have been. The, he was did some commentary for a game. I'm not sure what it was. There was something he did recently, which it was. It wasn't just radio. He did a, did a commentary for a game. Maybe it was even. I don't know. I, I have to try and work that out. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but I know he was involved What's somewhere. He, doing now? he, he did something he last season. coach somewhere. He's somewhere now, isn't he? I saw, I, he he playing, only appeared he? on my Twitter timeline yesterday. I think he is linked up with. Yeah, that's it. I think he's linked up with um, <laughs> Ipswich, who are is Mark Ashton CEO um, at Ipswich League yeah. One, and sir, uh, and uh, certainly um, Martin Pert, who used to be strength and conditioning or fitness or something or something of that ilk at Watford is now. At Ipswich as well. So there's a little sort of Watford old boys group there. According to Wikipedia, which is, of course, the fountain mm. of knowledge, last season he was with Bristol City. I don't know if that... Yeah, he was like third choice keeper at Bristol City. Okay. We... Yeah. It's crazy that he's 34. We signed him when he was sort of a prospect, as it were, didn't we? Um sort of a, a young goalkeeper at Walsall. Yeah. So he has been around for a, a long time. And he got... A, I always thought with René Gilmartin... We've gone so far off track here. I always <laughs> thought with René Gilmartin, right, he never looked like a goalkeeper. He he always... He had... His his frame was... like Obviously, goalkeepers are big guys generally, but his frame was ridiculously big. And and for that reason, I always thought he looked uncoordinated and a bit... A bit flappy and gangly, you know. Stiff. That's it. It always looked like massive arms and shoulders, and I just thought, on one hand, you'd think that might be an advantage, but he just looked, yeah, that's it. He just didn't look right. I watched Fraser Forster try and get to the bottom corner. <laughs> yeah, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's, uh, but yeah, and it's a shame. I mean, he, he as you say, he seems like a lovely bloke, and um, yeah, he's a big. I mean, yeah, he's a big guy, and it's just maybe, I don't know. I, I didn't get to watch him too much after his time with us. I know that he. Yeah, a decent spell. Was it Plymouth he went for a while? He was starting yeah, games for a bit and yeah, then kind of right. fell off a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I have to think of some more. I'm going to have to wrap my brain to think of some more encounters. So I've had a few with, with some Watford players. I'm just trying to record on a few appearances at Colchester United. Cole U. Yeah, he's kind of been around that area since. He's kind of stuck around. Yeah, Ipswich, Cole U. That sort of stuff. But I'm trying to think. If I, is there anyone else I've seen out and about? I really don't think there is, which is. Most disappointing. My dad used to always bump into Javi Grazia. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Javi Grazia used to really enjoy an Italian restaurant in Berkhamsted. It's always in Berkhamsted, isn't it? It's, I, I don't live there. <laughs> but that's where, it's a that's where these meetings world. seem to happen. Um, what was it I called? S- uh, Patuti, I think it's called. And that's where um, that's where Javi Grazia liked to go and eat. Um, so my dad was always uh, you know, enjoying watching him. It's not quite Euro Kutschka in the swimming pool, though, is it? No, it's not Euro Kutschka in the swimming pool. I think that's probably the I did the, see number one. Roy Deeney in a uh, burger place once in Watford when we were in the sure. Premier oh, League. Okay. Yeah, um, not Gourmet Burger Kitchen, what was, uh, Meat and Shake when it used to be good. I saw him ah. in there once. And he recognised me and said hello. So that was um, that was a nice little ego boost. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I'd like to know? I'd like to know if the listeners out there uh, have any interesting experiences with with Watford uh, players. Um, they have to be away from the ground. You can't have met them at the ground. You have to have met them somewhere random. Outside the WD18 postcode. Watford players is great. I'm, I'm even, if just any interaction with the, with, with the players is also kind of fun. I remember sitting next to, in in Spain, in Porto Benus, next to Robbie Savage at a restaurant. That was it, as insufferable <laughs> as you would imagine. Um, and yeah, that, that was an experience. But, have you yeah. watched any of his documentary? Oh, fuck no. He has, I, the yeah. fact that he even has a documentary. Macclesfield. Yeah. Trying to get Macclesfield uh, back into Football League. Okay, I mean, that's slightly better than what I was picturing. I thought you meant a Robbie Savage uh, biopic, which was <laughs> oh god, no, a horrifying good. thought. <laughs> no, I, I, he must have... Um, you know what, I haven't really looked into it because I haven't watched it, but he must have some sort of position um, there. Is that right? Is that right? Is he, is he... He's director of football or something, isn't he? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, I would quite actually quite like to watch that. I think that might be interesting, so... Making Sorry. Macclesfield, it's called. Um, Sue me. The BBC probably to try and get in, getting on the act on the uh, the the Netflix versions of what is it Sunderland and uh, what else mm. have they done? They did Tottenham, didn't they? Yeah. Right. Well, um, we haven't had one of those uh, sort of random chats after the end of a pod for a, li- for a little while, have we? So uh, it was nice to have one of those. Uh, thanks both for getting involved. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's always. It's all you, it's Matt. Nice. It's all the Kutschka story, honestly. That's what we're here for. Well, I mean, I was enjoying listening to to Tom about the the you know Troy Deeney meetings and and I can't believe it took you this long to tell us. To be honest with you. <laughs> Who? Well, I, 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 Matt. Matt, that he went swimming with. He had a swimming lesson with Euro Kutschka, and that's that's way more. I mean, this keeps evolving every time we. Uh... <laughs> Did you get out of the? He same was time? teaching me, was he? <laughs> Did you get out at the same time? Um, just... Oh no, no! I made I made a purpose of not getting out at the same time because I thought that would be very. Weird. I'm disappointed so, this didn't. Even turn though into I was completely spent, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kept on going. I, I trying honestly, to make out like I didn't know who he was, like I was cool or something. I was hoping this would evolve into a Euro Kutschka changing room conversation, but clearly not. No goodness, goodness no, no. I think he went to the. Oh God, my God! Oh, I do remember what he did. He went into the um, sauna afterwards. <laughs> Why do I remember that? <laughs> That's a perfect opportunity. <laughs> I definitely should have gone in there and been like, "Hey, so you're right? Yeah, you like the hot stuff? The, uh, you could have, this, you could have asked him down for a podcast. You, this is what we need. You need to get him on the pod. You're a Kirsch on the podcast would be amazing. From, from what I'm led to believe, he's not the best English speaker though. Doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. It just, we'll we'll just, get him on here, Matt, and we'll just give him a even better as far as I'm concerned. Just ha- hang out the swimming pool until you see him again. Get him down. Get him on the podcast. He may have found himself a, um, a more permanent residence, uh, unfortunately. But uh, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll I'm sure you're trapped. What happens? We'll get your dad on him. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, I, I, I once met. Um, I completely forgot about this. Software House is a gold mine because, of course, the players do go there. I once met Gerard Delafeu. And I think it was Messina in the same, just a few st- seats away from each other. And my dad did oh. go up to, to Jerry and say, uh, you know, how you doing? I, I didn't have the, I didn't have the, uh, the bravery to do so. But, um, well, and also don't forget, we've also, I know this doesn't count too, because you've, you've, uh, <laughs> you've already discussed that we can't talk about players and stuff at the ground, but your, your, your famous picture of you and Beppe Sonino is definitely a top. <laughs> oh God. Oh yes. no, really? 
That is absolute gold. You know what? So, mate, if 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 you missed it last time, please press the press the map to uh, get the old Beppo photo back out. Actually, Tom, didn't you have a time restriction today? Yeah, I did, but that's by the by. <laughs> so I just realized I'm enjoying this too much. You know, I've got the same exact photo yeah, with no. both Zola and Yukanovich uh, as well. Oh, you've not you've not shared them yet. You, this is gold mine, gold 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 mine of uh, interaction. Yeah, but those ones are more embarrassing because I actually went to the club uh, to the <laughs> special bit that the, the the club used to put on where you could meet the manager, and of course it was a queue of you know children <laughs> and, then, and then me, being like, six foot three. Being like, oh, could I? Six could I also three. have your autograph, please? <laughs> Towering above Beppe Sonino. The, the Sonino one was was particularly embarrassing because um, I don't know why I did this. He's, but for some reason, I I got him it? to uh, present me with a goalkeeper top as though I was a new signing. Oh, <laughs> cringe! How old were you at this stage? Oh, easily twenty five or something. I don't know. <laughs> easily twenty five. <laughs> Dark days. Oh, Darkest honestly, days of the club. We even know about. Yeah. It. Well, well, we should we should probably wrap this up before we end up in two hours here, boys. I'm sure this after this after hours conversation has been longer than the the main part of the podcast. I think. Um, yes, if you uh, <laughs> want to see those photos, uh, you'll have to um, I don't know steal something that I value and and then <laughs> try and try and bribe me. If we can get if we can get if we can get ten more reviews. Ten more reviews by the next podcast. We will we'll release the photos. Oh, that's the a candid photos like that, yeah. from the, uh, the club shop. I tell you what, if we if if we get if we get ten Patreon followers um, from this point, accounting from this point, uh, I will um, I will release the photos to those Patreon uh, subscribers. <laughs> release so, the I'll release the photos, <laughs> and that brings me perfectly onto mentioning <laughs> in a non weird way at all. About the fact that we do now have a Patreon. Um, I mentioned it in the last show as well. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, basically it's an opportunity for you to um, uh, support us, I suppose, because uh, we do this uh, for nothing, uh, just to have fun. Um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to pull a Patreon, <laughs> at this point, it's <laughs> at this point, the idea of it is to simply just see if there's any interest. We would like to add some stuff as time goes on, and maybe kind of give you some other things for supporting the podcast. But as of right now, just if you want to kind of treat it like a bit of a charity, we are kind of charity cases at this point. If you want to throw us some money, you know, buy one of us a beer. If you want to, then that'd be great. If not, don't worry about it. It's not the end of the world. We're not going to charge the podcast or anything. It's merely just um, an extra way of supporting if you were so inclined to do so. Um, Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I liked where you were going, but <laughs> we're, already, we're already at an hour and a half. I thought an hour fifty might be much. <laughs> the next tier will include all Matt's candid <laughs> photos with former Watford managers. Um, yeah, I mean, currently up there, there is a lovely post Spurs uh, review, um, which, if you didn't catch, you can go back and listen to previously. Uh, and that will obviously with no ads. We also have. Um, a, a tactical analysis on Tom Cleverley in the Brentford game not long ago, uh, and that was donated to us by uh, David Anderson, um, fan of the show. Um, and also, uh, we have uh, a lovely article written by Tom uh, called 
Watford, more ready, steady cook than MasterChef, um, which uh, you can read uh, by going there as well. So lovely. Lots of lots of lots of good stuff to, to, to enjoy uh, and more on the way. It was a good article. Go and read it. Uh, it, it doesn't really ring true anymore is my only disappointment because they've done a sign well was, oh, now is not the time let's wait until the signings are all shit and then I can, I can re-share it <laughs> what we ought to be called then Tom uh, trying to think of a food analogy hastily thinking of a food analogy Watford more like reheated pizza than uh, wood fired pizza Re- reheated takeaway than wood fired pizza nice um not not your best um you can come up with a better one uh next time <laughs> oh i see oh, thanks <laughs> <laughs> all right then uh i'm putting a stopper in the bottle uh there you go um Good idea. that yeah well i thought you know food analogy uh thanks very much everybody um from myself matt from, from jordan and from tom we'll be leaving you here but we'll see you after the newcastle game hopefully talking about three points what do you reckon guys three points from from newcastle Three points. Three points. Tom? Three points. Three points. Come on. Three points. Come on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.